The Small Queendom Podcast, episode 56. You're listening to The Small Queendom Podcast with me, Leah Graham, wellness advocate, self-healer, entrepreneur, and Enneagram 3. Tune in each week for holistic personal development and wellness, the Enneagram, and other lifestyle topics. Basically, I like to talk to people, try things, and share here to help you rule your queendom with ease. If you like the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. For the past year, I have not had ads on this show (laughs) because honestly, it is laughable to think that I would talk to you about a mattress or a security system or some kind of subscription for stamps. Like that is not the small queendom at all. But I absolutely love a good brand. There's only one kind of jean that I buy, and I am an Apple diehard fan for my technology, and there is a Subaru number three and number four in my driveway. So when I tell you about doTERRA essential oils, I want you to know that it is actually the number one brand that I would recommend to anyone if I could only pick one, right? Beyond the fact that it is like the poster child for fair trade and the fact that the reason our oils are so magical is because they are filled with love and it starts with the farmers that we actually know and care for at the beginning of them. But really my story is because I was depressed, I had super serious digestive issues, and I was getting sick all the time. And I needed something to be able to take care of my health. My husband deals with anxiety and my children you know, they're kids. So things coming and going around here. And I use essential oils for all of it. And so I just want to invite you, if you have never used doTERRA before, but you've used other essential oils, it is not even in the same ballpark. It's like comparing Fruit Loops to produce from the farmer's market, right? (laughs) Because that's what this is. Essential oils are truly the perfect addition for anyone who is wanting to take your daily average to the next level. I love saying that it improves our quality of life in a really significant fashion, whether it's an emotional, physical, or even spiritual needs. It really is something you have to experience. There is a price point for wherever you're at. It starts at $150 and goes up. I'm going to put a couple links for my favorite packages to get started with, and I hope that you will click on them and take a look. There might be a lot of companies that make phones or cars or (laughs) subscriptions online, but there is only one company that's doing essential oils right doing essential oils right by the earth, right by the farmers, right by the consumers, and right by healthcare. And that's doTERRA. So just check out the links below. All right, let's get back to the show. And we're back with part two, the conversation that I had with Dwayne McIntyre all about raw milk. And this episode, we are going to dig into all about his creamery that he is doing, really creating a new space in the marketplace. Listen, my goal with this is that I hope that you feel more empowered to have these kinds of conversations because when consumers can make really good judgment calls with their dollars, it seriously changes the marketplace and it supports people that are doing incredible work like Dwayne and so many other farmers across the nation. Go out and love on a farmer and support what they're doing and just keep moving the needle on what food has become. And I hope that we can all together, you know, create a food environment that is so much safer for our children. And we will do that one trip to the market, one trip to the grocery store, deciding with our dollars at a time. So here's part two of the interview with Dwayne McIntyre. I hope you enjoy it. 
just, you know, a result of maybe big dairy and lobbying and maybe filling pockets? Or why is that? Like, why wouldn't, why shouldn't I, as a mother of two young kids, be able to go to my local farmer with no problem? Now, obviously, we do a herd share. Um, but why shouldn't all mothers be able to do that? Well, I think it, for one, it stems back to the uh, opening discussion about the um, the cities um, growing. And, you know, farmers were just capitalizing. And, you know, unfortunately, there was just some bad apples in the group that got people sick, killed people. And so, you know, the regulation began then. And the industrialization just took off in 1920. So, like, everything just went haywire. And so the government came in and locked everything down because they couldn't control it any other way. And, you know, the, it's kind of like one of those things where it's just like, hey, you know, I mean, if, you know, if some guy's just, you know, a charlatan's coming in, selling bad milk and getting out and making his money and people are dying, you know, yeah, it seems like it would be natural to kind of want to prevent stuff like that from happening. But then, of course, you know, we're talking about the government. So you give them a little bit and they take a lot and now they've got it all. And so... um so, you know, it, it's on the backs of that is how it all came into being. And so, you know, that's kind of what the contention is, is that you sh- you can't buy milk from your neighbor. Um, you're not, you're responsible enough because you don't know about pasteurization or you don't know about, you know, it's just, and, you know, unfortunately, they're the ones in charge of the public education too. And, you know, I, well, that's quite convenient that we don't know about all this stuff, you know. <laughs> Um, But anyway, I'm not going to sit and bash the government on this. But the thing that I noticed when going to Richmond to fight for this, it's there's a room could be filled with like 400 people out in the halls, petitions, calls all day. I mean, we've come and made some, you know, ruckus in Richmond over this issue um, in years past. And it's just five fat cats on the wall representing every big industry. And they just get up and say, we don't support this because it kills babies. And then they sit down. No, nothing. I mean, we've had... Cases kind of closed. Yeah. And all of us, when we go, because I get to speak, I get the pleasure of speaking every time I go to Richmond because I, apparently, I drive the furthest. I mean, we're out here in the tail of the state, so I drive the furthest. And for some reason, everybody just honors that as like, he gets to speak. And so I take full advantage of that situation every time. (laughs) And so... um, when um when i speak i mean you know me and other speakers we we've we are scouring statistics we're on the cdc website we're on all the government websites compiling all their information presenting it you know that there's not much of an issue and we've had like you know the dairymen's association has got up and just straight lied so well hot off the press last night 10 people died last week raw milk we can't do it Never report, never surfaced. It was all, it was all just, just complete lie. and so, oh, he's oh, no. Well, and so they vote in favor of these five, you know, lobbyists every single time. And so it doesn't matter if we go up in force or whatever. It's just always been just the money dictates what's going on. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, it's a pretty basic free market principle that, that why raw milk is kind of suppressed it like it is. Um, one, if you are eating a burger and it's pretty good and it's not whatever, you know what I mean? It, gets, it fills up your gut and whatever. But then the guy across the street builds a burger place and you buy a burger there and it's 10 times better. And you stop buying burgers from that old guy, you know, who has been in business forever, has all the money, has, you know, 
Uh, would that guy not do everything in his power to stop that other burger guy from, you know, because that's what raw milk is. I mean, once you try raw milk and compare it to pasteurized milk, it's uncomparable. Quality is just... It's a completely different product. Yes. And so, you know, I th- I really think now the game is that they've they've gotten it out of our, um, off of our, you know, menus. And, um, and I think that, you know, they're just fighting to keep it off because the moment people start trying it and, and, you know, experiencing it, it's... It's kind of doomed. I mean, the dairy industry is already doomed. I mean, it's all falling apart, it seems. I mean, it's just, you know. Well, people are not buying conventional dairy anymore because it's caused issues with, you know, lactose intolerance and different allergies and things that people are acquiring from different different reasons, not from the milk itself. Maybe uh, we won't get into that topic, why they might be getting allergic to dairy. (laughs) But, um, you know, people, because they haven't been able to have the real thing, they're just moving you know, completely from the industry. And this is a great segue because I really would love to talk just briefly about how you all are kind of meeting in the middle. You're not in conventional dairy space and you do have your herd share program, but you now have a, I think it's just a visionary, you know, a visionary creamery. It's a micro dairy creamery, Goshen Creamery. Um, tell us about it and how it's different. It's not raw milk, but it's not that conventional stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, over the past two years, we've, uh, you know, developed a, a plan and executed the the building of it um, for our micro dairy creamery. Now, what micro dairy basically is, is um, uh, it's a small system to get into dairy. I mean, you need at least a half a million dollars or a million I mean, you got to, you know, be able to, so if you got to be able to buy the equipment, which is straight up 200000 to $500,000 just to run a dairy. Now you need to pay off that loan. So you need at least a hundred cows. Oh, and, um, and so you buy a hundred cows and you need to pay off that loan, but then you need like at least, you know, 200 acres or more. And the next thing you know, you're well over a million dollars just to get into the dairy business. Micro dairy is a miniaturized version of all the equipment that meets all the regulations. And so, uh, and I'll tell you, I mean, resistance, the, the regulators, I've ran into resistance in trying to get through the hurdles of getting this going because they just don't like it. They think it's a cheat, you know, like we're getting around the regulation somehow. No, we're meeting all the regulation small scale because I think that they personally, I think they have more power if you're in debt. You know, if you go in half million dollars in debt, you got to produce milk. So you're at their mercy to just do whatever they say. And make sure you're able to sell your milk every month. Um, but nonetheless, um, so micro dairy, uh, small dairy, like I said, we only milk 10 cows. So um, we're not a big, you know, manure lot. Um, so, uh, you know, we have a small system. Um, we do small uh, vat pasteurization. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, pasteurization industry standards, 160, 180. 160 guarantees everything is dead in the milk so it's just the safe zone it's like insurance you know so just in case we killed everything mm-hmm. um you know the state minimum though is 145 and so but you know nobody's really doing that and we've already recognized that when you boil the milk it's not even a boil it's just a heating it's like heating. a slow heat yeah when you do it at 145 versus 160 it changes the taste completely um you know two different tastes two different you know products that's why if you compared our stuff to the store-bought stuff two totally different it tastes cooked at the store. Ours doesn't taste cooked at all. Um, and so, uh, so you know, we are 
kind of uh, we maintain a lot of the flavor and integrity i think of the milk where it's more comparable to raw milk than it is to store-bought milk um, because we're not boiling it and cooking it um, it's just kind of heating it up and and then cooling it back down um, and so and then on top of that you know there's still a lot of good enzymes back you know the 145 is the minimum because that is the temperature where all the bad bacteria dies so um so, you know, we, we still maintain some of the enzymes, some of the nutrition, you know, we don't have to fortify it with vitamin D and calcium. Homogenized. Yeah. We don't homogenize Got that cream at all. Line. Yes. And so, but you know, there's a, there's a twofold with the homogenization is that, um, because we don't homogenize it, you know, and we have uh, a product that people aren't used to. It's a new product again, even though it's an old product. Um, you know, the cream separates to the top. You got to shake it when you drink it. Um, you know, if you let it sit too long, that cream can become pretty solid and hard to shake back in you know when people expect that when there's chunks in the milk that it's rancid and you know that's what store-bought milk does this no it just means it's a good creamy sip yes. now when, <laughs> when for our product yes so you know but but even you know even i grew up on, on you know store-bought milk i mean you know i'm i'm not as friendly to the big chunky globs of cream i like to shake it up really good it's sure. the best thing in coffee like your oh, coffee goodness. goes to truly next level well the problem with that is that you can't go back no you know once you start using like full cream in your coffee it's just so good that like half and half anything just it just does not satisfy so um, let's talk about the products that you're making and, and kind of your vision because what I, you know, just full disclosure, Adam and I do have a very small uh, share in the, uh, the micro dairy in Goshen Creamery. And so we just caught on to the vision so much that it is fulfilling a need for maybe people that weren't able to commit to a herd share or still quite weren't ready to do raw milk, but yet they wanted a better alternative um, a, a healthier, um, an incredibly cleaner alternative yes. to what's in the store. Um, so we've loved just your um, your creativity. Like, tell us what the creamery offers now and what you hope that it will offer yeah, in the future. Well, well, one of the things with the, the basic model of the creamery is that um, there's nothing, you cannot get anything fresher. You cannot get anything cleaner. I mean, our, our operation is small, it's tight, you know, it's manageable. Um, you know, so anything in the store, you know, they're all coming from big dairies. I mean, we are hands-on on the milking side and on the processing side. I mean, everything in the store, they're just processing milk. They don't know how it's raised. Um, you know, and I think that there's a point when dairies get too big or farms get too big. There's just a, a management issue. You cannot keep your eyes on the ball at all times. Um, if anybody on Facebook saw the, just recently, um, uh, what's the name of that fair milk or... Oh, Lifeway or Fairway or it's, it's the one that Coca-Cola owns. Yes. And so they were, you know, they have this big like initiative that it's the most humane this and the most humane that. And we have these standards and we promised to uphold them. And then something comes to light where all their workers are you know, beating on the animals and it's just a horrible under the hood operation. And then the owners just came on and be like, well, well, you know, our, it's hard to just kind of really know what's going on at all times. You know, you, you, you just got to expect that. And it's like, no, you're too big. It's unmanageable. You can't even keep your own standards. And so, you know, for us, that's where, you know, no matter what we buy outside of our own production, you know, that's our standard. Like, can you manage it or can't you? You can tell me it's the greatest stuff in the world. And if you just don't know, you don't know. And so if you can't keep an eye on it. So that's one thing we are doing. 
you know, we're small enough and, and our commitment is to stay that way where we are just hands on the whole, both sides of the, the operation. We know exactly how the animals are treated. We know exactly, you know, how everything's being cleaned. We know exactly, you know, we're not relying on just, you know, random hirees that we get in from some temp agency that's just kind of running through and, you know, just kind of here until it gets to its next, their next step in their journey of, you know, uh, whatever. But anyway, so, you know, our product is that and our commitment is always going to be that. Um, if we ever get to the point where we're like, well, you know, we can't really vet everybody, you know, then you just stop buying our stuff. I mean, you know, because <laughs> I believe that that's truly the the breaking point of where you're just not able to produce the quality. But um, so what we're doing, you know, we're doing all this with that quality standard. And then, um, you know, we are uh really just kind of digging in i mean we've got milk we've got chocolate milk we've got yogurt and you know where we stand with our standards on just where we're at right now is that um you know we don't want to use sugar and a bunch of junk ingredients like that is never if we again if you start seeing all that stuff on our label just you might as well buy the store-bought stuff because it's no different um but the um you know we use only honey to sweeten all of our milk, you know, we kind of get into the idea of the milk and honey land of milk and honey. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, we just think there's just something there. I mean, this is just the way it's been forever. And, um, and you source your honey locally. Yep. Um, yes, we do. in fact, we have a partner in the creamery who is a beekeeper. And so far they have, uh, given us everything we needed. Um, so hopefully that'll maintain and, you know, we'll just see where it goes. We also do our own honey. My son has got his own beehives and, so, you know, we expect that that's going to also uh, fill in the gaps that develop as we get bigger. Um, and you also had a, a blueberry um, yogurt that was delicious. Where did the blueberries come do. from? Um, well, they came from Sierra Family Farms, who is at the Avenue Farmers Market. Um, what we look for in our fruit, um, it doesn't have to be organic. It doesn't have to be... Um, you know, uh, it doesn't have all the labeling. Yeah. It doesn't have to have much. It just, it absolutely cannot be sprayed with chemicals. We do not want chemicals in our products. So, um, you know, if you're growing fruits, um, naturally without chemicals and pesticides, insecticides, all that stuff, then, uh, give us a call. I mean, we'd like to buy your, your fruit because we want to put it in our yogurt. Um, you know, and, and maybe down the road when we do other products that require fruit, we'd like, that's, that's our standard with the fruit. Um, you know, so we just know it's blueberries and they are not blueberries and a little bit of Roundup or whatever other chemicals that people are putting totally. on their stuff. I think, I think people are really wanting that more. They're expecting, I think consumers, you know, maybe it's harder for producers, but I think consumers are raising the bar on what they are looking for. So maybe that will be easier to, for you to find. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, it's give or take. I mean, it's just, we found a little bit here, a little bit there. I mean, we're hoping maybe the more people like us grow with a demand for it. And I, you know, for us, you know, with a demand for fruit, um, you know, that's an opportunity. I mean, somebody, you know, we're the type of people where we would say, Oh God, they want to spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a year on, uh, you know, that kind of food. Hey, stop using the chemicals. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just seems like it would be that easy of a decision, totally. but, but I guess not. Um, but anyway, uh, so with the creamer though, go back to the, the products. So those are our main lines and, um, and moving forward. Our idea is this, is that, you know, 
there's a lot we've discovered over the years that people just don't know what they're missing. My Soast being one of them we talked about earlier. Um, you know, I'm, I'm dying to get to the point where we can start providing just some really unique stuff. Clotted cream, um, you know, is another one that's, you know, we, we found out we've, we've gone through the, the regulation and inspectors. And we've come up with a system that we can do clotted cream for, but it's just going to take a little bit. To... That's the one I'm pushing for. It is, it is like yes. the best. It's like cream cheese meets mascarpone meets like butter meets ice cream. It's so good. And uh, there's only one other producer in the whole entire country doing it. And so we will be the second in line. And I guarantee you that our system is more authentic. Um, just Absolutely. because more traditional, more well, authentic. I, I, we've had to sit down with the department of health and develop like the testing and the, uh, and the, uh, standards and stuff for allowing this old world recipe to kind of come into this new, you know, thing. And in fact, the department of health says, you know, that we're a designer food, you know, cause we have chocolate milk with honey in it and we have yogurt with honey and local fruit in it. And it's just like, no, this is traditional food. The designer food is all that stuff that they're fortifying with all these chemical compounds and all this, you know, boiling. And, you know, that's the synthetic designer food. You know, we are traditional food. And so, um, but, you know. And even, I just even want to mention, like, even the chocolate powder that you use comes from, the, the cocoa powder comes from where? Well, it comes from Guatemala, ultimately. So we'd love to be local, but nobody can grow cocoa around here. But there's a um, chocolatier out in Asheville, French Broad Chocolates. And um, they actually roast, just like we roast our own coffee, they roast their own chocolate. And so they buy raw bean, they bring it up, they process it, they turn it into powder, into chocolate bars, into everything. And so uh, it was the best that we could get in, in regards to the fulfilling a local regional quota. So, you know, my I just geek out on all this because in a world of farm-to-table restaurants, craft breweries, artisanal coffees, small batch chocolate, you know, now you literally are creating this segment of the market that is, I don't know, what do you want to call it? You get to name it. I mean, it's more than just a micro dairy. Is it a, maybe it is a designer dairy. <laughs> yeah, or just old world, like, Back to the future, back to the past. I don't know. I mean, maybe like farm to, you know, descendants or something. All right. So no one likes a name dropper, but anyone that's in this space has heard of Mr. Joel Salatin. Yes. And I've heard that he is a fan of Goshen Creamery. He is. In fact, um, we have had preliminary discussions about uh, supplying his farm store with, with Goshen Homestead Creamery products. Um, where we're at with that is just real preliminary. That's a hike up 81. So we just, uh, drive. yes, mm-hmm. we just recently established, um, a, uh, delivery to Blacksburg and, um, it's doing really well. Um, and you're sourcing not only health food stores now, um, restaurants. but restaurants. Yep. So uh, what are the restaurants um, bringing in from the creamery and how are they using it? Well, mainly, I guess, is, um, you know, the milk. They're, you know, using the milk for all their traditional milk needs. But um, apparently, we're finding that our yogurt is so significantly different than, you know, industry yogurt. Um, Mainly because it's just pure. It's still a real probiotic. I mean, it's just the milk and the culture. Um, Well, whatever, whatever we're doing. And again, I'm not saying that, like, I'm a scientist about it or anything. But we're just doing it 
old world tradition. You know, we're using old world methods, um, nothing fancy, nothing scientific. And, uh, and it's just producing a high quality traditional product. And apparently when um, restaurants are using the yogurt specifically and cooking in their recipes and stuff, it is taking everything to the next level because most of the modern yogurts are just kind of more bland. They're um, You know, and then they, of course they probably have sugar in it or other little odd and the stuff, emulsifiers and stabilizers and stuff like that. And, you know, just to buy the shelf life more time or whatever. But um, so the, uh, so apparently, you know, we're drastically different than you know what's in the store right now and uh and the consumers uh patrons of the restaurants are just eating it up and loving it and so and the chefs it's a pride thing you know when you're a chef and you your art is cooking food and you want to make the best thing possible you want it's just like you know if you're a painter you want high quality paints and so you know it's just we've we've kind of really hit that niche where we're just really nailing it in that high quality you know um space with the yogurts and, and even the milk. Dwayne, this is so inspiring. I hope that people feel inspired about like what dairy can be. And I hope that they, you know, start to reach out and find out what is available around them. And I hope that this, you know, what you and Stacy are doing really starts to push that needle forward. Like when you look at the future of farming, what what is your hope for it? What direction do you think that farming needs to go? Well, I think that, especially if you look at dairy right now, dairy's collapsing. Um, farmers are going out of business. They're losing their, you know, five generation farms. They're just, it's, it's all going under. I mean, there's uh, former farmers who are forever in debt. Um, you know, the debt farming over the last century has just really kind of collapsed the whole system. And uh, the main reason is because the, the industry itself, all the big lobbyists, corporations, are basically plundering the farmers for the raw resources to capitalize and make their huge profits. Now, I mean, that's fine and all, but, you know, and unfortunately it was the farmers who made the deals to sell their milk at bottom of the rate, uh, you know, rates. Um, but it's unsustainable. It's collapsing. You know, there's just tons. I mean, the, the farm bill is just how much more bigger this year. Um, and then when it gets renewed again in the next decade or whatever, it's going to be what quadrupled. I mean, it's just we, the government's injecting so much stability money into these industries because they would just collapse without it. And so, you know, the inevitable is here. But what's what's beautiful is, you know, that there's a lot of local food kind of lifting off the ground. Um, and so for what we're doing and we got to just recognize it for what it is. I mean, even though like we're in a hotbed of local food. Um, there still is an incredible need for the infrastructure of local food. Um, people need to recognize that they can buy locally sourced food and that they can eat locally sourced food and that they can cook with it and all that stuff. And uh, that Walmart isn't the be all end of all of grocery shopping. And then two, uh, you know, we need to just kind of, you know, make people realize that the farmer's markets are a place to go and do your grocery shopping. Um, that, uh, you know, we got to convince local restaurants that, you know, that there's a, a need to use this local, local product. And so that infrastructure is kind of where we're at. And that's what we're playing. I know that, like, I recognize that we are playing a big part in the local food infrastructure. And so, you know, that's what, that's the work that needs to be done. And so, um, you know, investing in that, just kind of putting in the time and over time, you know, that infrastructure grows and then this, and it's a sustainable infrastructure. So if anything happened, you know, devastatingly overnight with the big industry, 
there's something already here. But like, even if there's nothing there and if people want something there, they've just got to, they've just got to give to the cause, you know, go to, go to a, you know, even if your local market is just a beater market and four vendors or something, just go. Cause you know, the more you go, the more farmers will see that the more farmers will come, which will draw more people, which draw more. It's just a big feeding situation no one person can just do it and i think a lot of people want to cultivate community in their communities you know i I mean obviously people are busy but we have found going to the market as a family to be a way to connect with our community and it's been so fun and now every time we go i mean it doesn't have to be every time we go but we look forward to like knowing we're gonna see easily a half a dozen friends and be able to just check in with everyone so it's more than, sure, it is going to the grocery store, but like there are people on the other side of purchases. And it's, it, I, that's what I love about local food. Dwayne, this has been awesome. Thank you for being on the show. If people want to follow along with uh, Goshen Homestead, Goshen Creamery, how do they find you? Well, um, right now, I mean, they can find our website, uh, GoshenHomestead.com. Um, unfortunately, it's not been updated in a while. We've been building a new one on the back end. So, um, But you can still go there. There's a lot of good information. It's a content-rich site. So you could spend quite a, a bit reading about our product. Thank you so much. All right, Leah. Thank you. And our, um, you know, our standards. Um, but uh, if you want some really you know, up-to-date stuff of what's going on, um, Instagram and Facebook is really where everything's happening. I mean, I, I probably post something almost every day. And, um, you know, I, at least if I'm not just kind of showing off just a lot of what we're doing, um, you know, I'm just provoking people to think about, you know, things here and there and, and just kind of, you know, understand that, uh, you know, that there's uh there's a lot more to food than just kind of, you know, walking down the aisles and just seeing it already set up on the, on the front end. Because on the back end is, is just really where all the, the magic happens and where people really need to um, really need to kind of dive into to know what's going on. I, and I'm not ever I'm not going to drop any names in this regard, but you can go to one one thing on Instagram I just found really funny. It's a poultry business local, and um, the closest you got to seeing where your food came from was a square hole in the wall where the conveyor belt brought all the eggs out of the wall. And all I could do was yell at my phone say, what's in the hole? Let me in. I want to see it. Because I know there's a reason why you're not showing us that stuff. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and so, you know, and one thing you'll find on all of our social media is, I mean, we are sharing, you yes. know, all of it. And so... Uh, you know, but we want to be transparent like that. So we want you to know where your food comes from. And, and we hope that, you know, if anything, maybe we inspire you to at least, you know, not, you don't have to buy our food, but I mean, you know, whoever's food you are buying, ask the questions, find your other sources. I mean, if you know somebody else that sells, you know, meats and eggs and stuff like that, you know, find out, make sure, um, you do your diligence and, um, you know, feed yourself good food and feed your children good food. Dwayne, it's been a real pleasure. All right. Thank you again for joining me this week. Don't forget, if you've missed any of the past episodes, we have quite the catalog for you to tap into. So be sure to find an episode maybe that you haven't listened to and click that download button. All right. Have a beautiful week. Go out, make it matter. Believe in your dreams. I believe in you. Bye-bye.